0: Welcome to the First Comics News Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode forty two of the First Comics News Podcast. I got some pretty decent-looking comics to talk about this week, so we're going to get it off with probably the most talked-about comic of the week. Uh, And that is Superman, Year One, by uh, the great Frank Miller, with art by John Romita Jr. Uh, This is part of DC's Black Label. This is... uh, a retelling, once again, of the origins of Superman, much like Frank Miller did with Batman, Year One, back in uh, what was that, eighty-seven, maybe. Uh, just teamed up with a fantastic artist again. I think John Romita Jr. is uh, one of the, I mean, one of the top artists of all time. I I just love his artwork. Uh, this comic's been a little bit controversial due. Mainly to some of the changes that Mr. Millar uh, takes liberty with. Uh, the big one being that uh, Baby Superman uh, Kal El is uh, kind of sentient. He's he's watching. He's observing. And most importantly, when he crashes on Earth and uh, Papa Kent uh, finds him, it's strongly suggested that Superman, our super baby at the time. Uh, coos and kind of worms into his brain uh, to, to talk him into adopting him, that it was part of his plan. Uh, kind of an odd choice. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the way John Ramada Jr. draws like the eyes when people are, when he first is giving the baby uh, to Martha... Uh, he he kind of looks like he's in a fog, and then recovers a little bit. It's it's an interesting idea that Jonathan Kent uh, didn't adopt the baby uh, because they couldn't have kids, and that he felt uh, an obligation to, uh, but rather that he was almost tricked into it uh, by uh, you know the baby Superman, which I, I don't know the point of doing that, uh, to be honest with you. But anyway, so this is a big retelling. It's about 60 pages, uh, just beautiful artwork. I mean, this guy hasn't lost a, a step and they really take their time. If you remember the Man of Steel series, uh, John Burns reboot in 1986 of Superman, that first issue kind of went by and had him leaving, uh, Smallville for Metropolis. This one uh, has uh, a slower pace. You see uh, Superman growing up. Uh, I don't know, should I call him Clark Kent, Superman, Kal-El? Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, of imagery here. Uh, it, it's tough because he focuses so much on the, the small things that when you think of Superman, you probably, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, he's a god amongst men, so he, he really has to, to pull his punches and... Uh, you know uh, there is a kind of controversy because he kind of not only with the brain influence thing but he also uh oh, what's the word i how how to explain this uh, he, he does the brain influence thing, but he's also he, he's protecting people uh like the like the nerds and the outcasts and everything uh, from bullies, and it's the way he he kind of looks down on humans is kind of controversial i guess but I mean, he'd have to a little bit. I mean, this kid's in high school, and, uh, I mean, it's really interesting how uh, Frank had written the story. Some of it doesn't really go great with me. I mean, there's a scene where, like, the goth kid uh, tries to stab uh, Clark Kent in the hand, and nothing happens, and the pen breaks, and, you know, they kind of, oh, it must be a trick of the light, you know? Oh, that was the coolest move ever. and And everyone loves him, and it's like... He's the protector, but and then the, but the bullying just escalates because the, the, they take it on the people they can. Uh, oof, I, I, oh boy, I, I don't know. Uh, a lot of other people have a, more of a problem with it than I do, uh, because I think it's an interesting take. You know, th- there's been so many reboots of Superman's origin story uh, that I can't really, you know, get outraged over Frank Miller, Year One, Black Label as you know this affront to everything he's looking at it from a slightly different viewpoint uh you know in small town america is one of the you know the worst places uh really to kind of grow up sometimes with like how you know certain boys get away with everything uh uh, you know it's it's tough to it's almost boy it's a heck of a drama uh, and it, it goes on. I mean, this is detailed. This is, it's a fun read. I I really did uh, enjoy it. Uh, there's, I mean, I don't know, kids spray painting buses, weirdos suck and stuff, and then the, 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 there's a betrayal, uh, and then probably the, the one scene I didn't really like was uh, the bullies that Clark's been fighting the whole time. Uh, Lena Lang, uh, Lana Lang, Lana uh, Lang, she had pictures of them being up to no good that they're going to use to prove that the kids are bullies. Uh, and then they trick her, thinking it's Clark to, to meet her outside. And instead of just taking the photos and the camera or whatever, uh, there's, there's an implied rape scene, which, uh, I, mean, <sighs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't really need that in my Superman comic. I mean, you could be threatening without that. Because uh, again, that 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 brings bullying to a whole another level, and it really justifies the reaction and the violence, where they've, these kids have gone from just throwing eggs to actually uh, sexually ass- attempting to sexually assault someone. Which again uh, didn't need, but I did enjoy seeing uh, Clark and first kiss. I mean, just just the young love. Uh, although he's not very careful with uh, you know hiding his superpowers. You know, neighbors see him flying. Uh, he plays in a football game where he, he literally drags five players, up, you know, over the goal line, uh, which is just I don't know, kind of silly uh, when you watch it. There's like he has like two guys in a fireman carry, one guy on each leg, and he's still running. <clears throat> uh, and then the the big twist comes towards the end where uh, it's revealed that Clark Kent has enlisted in the Navy. Uh, you know. For, for, and, and he loses his virginity too, uh the night before he leaves so th- that we have that so frank miller has uh established in canon the day and the event and with who he loses his virginity to so you guys can all rest easy uh with that so <clears throat> that actually ends with him arriving at the navy uh you know uh basic training center uh and clark kent is ready and that's the end of part one so I mean I this is it's an interesting read. I mean it was it I don't want to say it's a great read, but it's an interesting read. And sometimes being interesting is almost better than being good. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's tough. But it's it definitely one I'm going to look forward to, uh, the second issue. Uh, but you know, again, very kind of controversial, very controversial, uh just mainly because of uh Frank Miller's um how shall we say uh blah, 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 political leanings of late and uh he always kinds of tech, tries to push the envelope a little bit so uh that was superman year 1 so check that out i'm sure everyone has they probably had a thousand of them at your local comic shop when you stopped in wednesday uh if you just want a silly silly fun read <clears throat> uh Check out Warlord of Mars Attacks. Uh, now, Warlord of Mars is one of my uh, kind of guilty pleasures. I actually thought the Disney movie a few years ago, with some editing and a few reshoots, could have been phenomenal. Uh, but it didn't hit the mark. And, of course, Mars Attacks, I mean, I remember the original. I, I wasn't born when the original cards came out, but I remember there was, like, a cult classic. And then they came out with Dinosaur Attacks back in the 80s, which is, like, a re, uh, another storytelling of, like, the science fiction with a lot of gore and a really... Uh, you know, appeal to the kids. And, uh, of course, Mars Attacks then was made into the big movie with... Uh, uh, who directed that? Oh, God, he directed Batman, for God's sakes. Tim Burton. Uh, very quirky. Jack Nicholson going crazy. Uh, <laughs> if you remember that, I saw that in the theater, and people didn't know what to make of it, but I thought that was, I just thought it was hilarious, the burning cows and stuff. Uh, so this is a combination of Warlord of Mars and Mars Attacks, and it is... <laughs> Uh, page for page, probably, uh, just a, I don't know, funnest book I read this week. I mean, it just, man, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a guilty pleasure every once in a while, uh, you know, reading a book just for the silliness of it and dynamite hit it, uh, the artwork, the story, uh, it was just a fun read. You know, I, I put that book down, I was smiling and you know, that, that's good value for my uh, dollar, if you know what I mean. Oh, what else do we get in uh, the old review pile? So, role-playing, uh, thanks to uh, D&D 5th uh, edition, along with uh, Stranger Things, D- uh, Dungeons & Dragons is everywhere. And one of the offshoots of that is what's called, uh, they, they they record, video record, audio record people playing. And one of uh, those groups is called Critical Role. And they do, they're a bunch of voice actors who do the voices and everything. Oh, oh give me another, oh, and uh, everything while they play. And Critical Role, very, very popular. Uh, and they have a lot of, of uh, comic books as well. Short-contained miniseries uh, from Dark Horse. And uh, the, the new one is, uh, it's series two, but there's no need to read series one, I assure you. Uh, you can just pick this one up. It's uh, Vox Machina Origins. Uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, and this is part one of six. Characters created by the cast of Critical Role. Uh, and if, if you like adventure stories, uh, I mean, I remember the Dungeons & Dragons comic that uh, 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 IDW did. Uh, the humorous one that was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, this one strikes me like that. I mean, the artwork. Uh, who did the artwork on this? Let me flip back here. Uh Olivia Sampson uh absolutely phenomenal artwork in this. I mean, a lot of times these fantasy series kind of get bogged down in, in in gritty art. Uh but this, you know what? I'm going to God, I got to go back and do it again uh, the colors. Uh Nassassik, All right. Uh also phenomenal. I mean, this is such a pleasure to to read. Uh, even if you're not familiar with the characters, I think you'll enjoy it. If you like adventure stories, role-playing, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing, it, it's... Uh, God, I don't know. If, if you like Game of Thrones, you know, anything, really, that kind of fantasy element, Lord of the Rings, uh, check this out. It, it's really cool. And then, uh, you know, check out that Critical Role series as well, Acquisitions Incorporated. is uh, another group. They have a D&D book that just came out today. Uh, they have their own source book. So it, it's phenomenal. This Dark Horse, this is not a comic that I would have expected from Dark Horse Comics. Uh, But I I loved it. It it was great. Uh, Got absolutely no complaints about it. Uh, God, it it was a good series. Oh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Let me see. Okay, so I was kind of a... I don't want to say ticked off, but uh, but, uh, let's let's start at the beginning. Usagi Ujimbo is one of my favorite comic series of all times. I mean, I remember back in... uh, he appeared in, it was an anamorphic, or however you say it, you know, book about, you know, talking animals and stuff. And uh, the t- original Turtle series back in the 80s, he appeared there. And he had his own comic book. Uh, I think Mirage started publishing it. Uh, he may have done it on his own as well. Uh, but he's been around, uh, God, you know, 80, 90, uh, about 25 years about. Um, you know, his characters appeared on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, animated series. Is that action figures as part of the line? Uh, but he's, he's an anamorphic, uh, rabbit, uh, I don't, I don't think I'm saying that word right. He's, he's a rabbit to socks, you know, it, the whole world is populated by animals. Uh, and, uh, it, it takes place in feudal Japan and it's, uh, it's always been almost 100% written and, uh, drawn by Stan Saki. Uh, I mean, he's just an absolute peach of a man. Uh, the most pleasant, humble person you could ever imagine, uh, And and his stories are just seeped in Japanese uh, feudal culture. Uh, Just about every book he's ever published that I've ever seen uh, has had text pieces explaining, uh, you know, what what the significance of what you're seeing is. And uh, he he was published for a long time, actually, by uh, Dark Horse Comics. Uh, And somehow I missed that. Uh, You know, he hasn't been very active lately. He kind of semi-retired for, I think, two years there. But he came back and was publishing again. But uh, IDW actually sent uh, the first issue of the new launch. I mean, God, there was uh, 24, 25 variant covers to this. I mean, they, they put a lot of into the launch on this one. It's full color for the first time. Uh, I believe Dark Horse is always black and white. Um, but IDW has it, and they, they're doing a big push with the launch. Uh, I mean, some of the alternate uh, uh, incentive covers are Walter Simonson, Kevin Eastman, I mean, my God, what a what a stacked lineup of, of, of variant cover artists! Uh, so it's a big deal. Uh, it's issue one, and they again, much like Marvel does, they do us a solid by putting number two hundred and thirty nine in a series on the inside of the book, so you could tell uh, for all you guys who you know have the long boxes filled with these stories uh, where this one falls into. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to attempt to say the name of it. It's Banraku bon Bonraku Part One. And uh, Banraku, Feudal Japan is a uh, like a, a play. If you ever seen America's Got Talent, they do it on occasion. Uh, the puppet masters wear, dress all in black, and they're up against a black cloth, and they, and they manipulate the puppets and stuff. Uh, but that, that's just the basic part of this story is uh, he's watching this performance with the puppets and the story being played out. And uh, his reaction to it, and there's more to this uh, crew, this puppet crew that meets the eye, because uh, there is in fact demons involved. Uh, so Yusagi Jimbo watches the performance, and then he, he talks with uh, the guys who run it, and uh, you know then it's revealed that you know, th- you know th- there is a, an evil spirit uh, actually involved with it, and Yusagi runs into uh, Sasuki, who is a demon hunter. Uh, it was introduced, at, well, he, for, you could see him at the beginning of the uh, issue as well, Hunting Demons. Uh, it's part of his, uh, I'm sure there's a nice fancy word for it, but it's kind of his, like his driving quest. Um, but, it, I mean, it, it just, there's this great series. If you've never checked it out, please do. You saw your Jimbo, issue one, you know, IDW, full color. Hopefully that pulls in, you know, a bigger audience. Uh, cause uh, Saki is just a treasure, you know, he's getting older. I don't know how much longer he's going to do this. I mean, he did take a break to recharge his batteries. Uh, and then on the text page, uh, bon Ruku, uh, you know, it's also called, uh, this is a classical form of a puppet theater founded in Osaka. Uh, and there's a nice text page that explains it, which is, uh, very cool. Um, so it's a great story. Stan's a great art a writer. A artist is beautiful. Um, I got no complaints, but what I was doing, I was I was trying to research a little bit, doing my due diligence. And I was trying to figure out what happened, why Dark Horse wasn't publishing him anymore. So I, I, you know, I Google Usagi Ujimbo, uh, and the first link that, you know, Google does, Hey, here's the top stories. And I, I saw a headline that said, Usagi Ujimbo bores with first issue. Now, not a lot catches me off guard. I think I'm a guy who has a good sense of, you know, I'm, I'm stable. I'm stable, you know. Good under pressure. You know, can, can I get flustered a lot. But, man, when I see <laughs> a headline like that, I mean, I know it's clickbait. I know. I know it's clickbait. I know the guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But I feel like – I, I I don't, I'm just like, I feel that rage inside, you know, and I'm just like, this guy has got to be a moron, but don't click on it, because it's clickbait, and then before I know it, I clicked on it, and then I'm reading the the review, and uh, I mean, it is, man, it is a painful review to to read, Um, (laughs) it's like he, he skimmed the story, he didn't even read it. Uh, I'm going to give you a quote here. I'm not going to name the website or, any other, or the author or anything because, you know, I'm about that. But I just found it interesting. Uh, so, Usagi Yujibo attends a puppet drama. Then immediately after saying he doesn't have enough time to see the rest of the play, the play is over. He gets tea with the play's narrator and discusses the play. Again, he sa- just said he has no time, but he takes time to discuss the play he just watched. Uh, the story is undoubtedly written to be collected, still each issue should be self-sustaining, which this lackluster issue is not. So I'm reading that, and I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't gel with what I just read in, in the comic, uh, which is kind of a weird feeling when you're reading a review and you're like, oh, that's kind of an odd interpretation of it. Uh, so first of all, this thing starts with a, 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 like an eight-page battle scene, for God's sakes. Uh, then they go into the puppet play. So it, it's funny. So Yusagi's watching the play, and it ends on this huge cliffhanger where the demon's attacking the hero. And then they, they, they pause, and a guy comes out and he says, you know, thank you for attending our performance. The next act will begin after a brief intermission. And Yusagi's like, wow, what a cliffhanger, you know. And this is key here. This is why you read before you do a review. I wish I could stay for the entire story, but Banraku's plays usually go on for the entire day. Maybe I'll be able to see it another time. And then he goes and he pays his respects to the Puppet Master. Of course, him being a samurai, he's he's, he's held in high esteem in Japan culture. And uh, an apprentice greets him and uh, introduces him to the the Puppet Master. And they, they have a brief tea uh, where they kind of talk about, you know, the story and everything. And then uh, he has to, you know, Yusagi gets up and he has to leave, um... And then, you know, he, he meets up with the demon hunter and it is revealed that there's demons in this city. Uh, uh this town, village, however you want to do it, and then it kinda of wraps itself up. So I'm reading this review and it's it's like he doesn't have the time the play's not over, it's on an intermission. And he explains that it goes on the entire day. Uh you know, people feudal Japan would travel, you know, days to get here and they'd stay the whole day and watch this. This was their you know, maybe the only time that, one of the few times they'd ever actually see something like this kind of theater. Uh, so he, he had, it's, like he, it's like he doesn't understand the story. It, it's really bizarre. But I was all fired up. I was like, man, you don't mess with Usagi Jimbo, you, know, you, you used boring and lackluster when you talk about Stan Saki. I mean, them, them they're fighting words, man. I mean, I mean, I, I, I took about 15 minutes before I recorded. I read that right before I went on uh, just to kind of settle myself because, man, oof, man. Wow, talk about uh, misreading it. So there you go. Uh, I think that's it for this week. Uh, It wasn't a great week. Marvel had, like, my God, nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing. Uh, This week that I wanted to to check out, I mean, they're doing this War of the Realms thing and there's crossovers, and I have no interest of it. I mean, their output right now looks uh, pretty putrid. And, you know, DC, you know, they had the Superman year one. And uh, there, there wasn't a lot out there. So I think that's a good pl- spot to wrap it up right now. Uh, uh, so always, as, as always, thank you guys very much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, U-Tunes, however you want to do it. Come to firstcomicsnews.com. I get the latest issues. Uh, I'm going to be doing some live streams. I still am working on the, my new podcast uh, with my son. I'm gonna, I want to record two or three episodes of that, of the retrospective, uh, before I actually start releasing them. So we're caught up because, I mean, summer is tough when you have, you know, You have a 13-year-old boy because you're always doing stuff. Uh, So that way I have a few uh, episodes in the can. But uh, that's it for me right now. I'm going to try to get back uh, in the next week or two, and we'll review some more comics. I'll try to point you in the right direction. Uh, Go ahead and shoot me an email uh, if you want, if you want to recommend me a comic or two. I'm always looking for independent comics, small press, smaller the better. Uh, This week, you know, a lot of image stuff came in. IDW, but not not a lot of the smaller publishers that I'm looking to really get get some publicity for. So if you uh, are aware of any, shoot me a a line. I'll try to dig them up. Uh, So until next time, I'm uh, Matt Suchek, Managing Editor of First Comics News, and this has been the First Comics News Podcast. Thank you for listening to the First Comics News Podcast. Visit firstcomicsnews.com for all your comic news. Email us at First Comic podcast at gmail.com.